25. We're going to look at this little section here. Psalm 119. It's, uh, we don't know who wrote it. God didn't tell us. They have, they have their ideas. Some think it was David. Some think it was uh, Ezra maybe uh, that wrote it. But God uh, didn't, look, didn't want us to know because uh, if it was David, there's a whole bunch that are marked with, for David. But uh, this one wasn't. This is the longest psalm in the Bible. Not only that, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. So uh, it's very big. And uh, in your Bible, I know in mine, it breaks it up into these eight verse sections with a, uh, it's got a word on the top. That's a Hebrew, Hebrew letter of the alphabet. So it's going through the whole Hebrew alphabet uh, in sections. And, and it's uh, the fancy name for that's an acrostic. You know, it would be like A for this and B for that. That's how we would do that today. Uh, but one of the reasons they did that was to help to memorize it, you know, to memorize the whole thing. It's broken up, uh, uh, you know, and I'm thankful that, uh, that God's allowed us to preserve this. And one of the, the biggest themes in, in this psalm, the biggest chapter, the biggest psalm, uh, it, it shouldn't surprise you what the main theme of it is, and it's the Word of God. Uh, you know, so if you get, that's where you get, uh, thy word is a lamp unto thy feet and the light unto thy path. That comes from this psalm, uh, but we're thankful for it. But I want to look at this section right here. Uh, I, I don't know if it's called Daleth or however you say that, but D, uh, that letter in the alphabet starting at verse 25. Let's read it. It says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the sweet spirit we've already felt. And Lord, I pray that you would use me. Lord, touch my tongue. Lord, help us. Uh, help me to preach your word today. And Lord, that it would uh, uh, we would hear it and that it would hit us in the heart. And Lord, uh, that it would draw us closer closer to you and help those, uh, uh, every one of us that are uh, to continue on. And Lord, if there are any lost, any backslidden, I pray that they would come to you before it's too late. And in Jesus' name we pray and amen. So uh, uh, we're looking at this. Uh, we can see the, the author, again, we don't know who it was, but in verse 25, we can see his state of mind right at the beginning of verse 25. It says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Uh, he felt so close to death, so deep in despair, uh, that he either felt like he was dead or he wanted to be dead. That's what we see right here. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, his face was literally in the dirt, maybe not, but his mind felt like this was near the end. He, he was deep in depression is what we see right here. The author is saying, and if you look down at verse 28, he says, my soul melted for heaviness. He's saying, I can feel the weight of this world. I can feel the weight of the trials and the fears and everything else and and that hope that I had that was left is melting away like wax in a candle you know that just the weight of everything is just heavy on me uh, and I and, he, and his soul is cleaving to dust so you can see uh, that he uh, the hope is is fleeing away and it, he's in darkness he's in a depressed time 
And here's the thing, and people may be surprised, but uh, there are several instances of men of God who were depressed in the Bible. uh, The Bible talks about Moses and Elijah. They were so depressed that they both were asking God to take their life. You know, I've said it before. We, we spiritualize it and say, Lord, take me to heaven. But that's the same thing. They were so deep. You know, Elijah there at the juniper tree wanting God to take his life. Moses was getting frustrated by the people and saying, basically, I'm no good anymore. I'm not any better than my fathers. What am I even doing here? Uh, and both of them uh, uh, were done. But you know what? You think about those two heroes God used greatly. Right, Even in spite of their weakness, even in spite of the depression. And and Prophet Jeremiah, I believe, gives the most complete picture of anyone uh, who is going through depression. Uh, And it made me think about him. See, in, in the book of Jeremiah, he's prophesying of the judgment to come. And and he's telling them that the city is going to fall. Jerusalem's going to fall uh, because you won't turn from your ways. And and giving them one last chance for mercy, uh, but saying that it would come. And yesterday in the conference, uh, Brother Jason Mead preached from Jeremiah 6.16. And I'm going to read verse 16 and 17. And it says this. This kind of sums up Jeremiah's prophecy against the people and against the city. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls and if we would stop right there we would say amen that's good isn't it right we need to get back to the old way we need to get back to where it's good and true uh, and things like that and right he says uh, uh, stand in the uh, those ways see them ask for them uh, and then you shall find and walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls but a lot of times we like to stop right there But the next part of the verse, but they said, we will not walk therein. And then the next verse, I I also, I set a watchman over you saying, hearken unto the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. We're not walking in God's way. We're not listening to God's man. We're not doing any of that. And then judgment came. Judgment came. That's the, uh, and then right after that, they, they, they said no. And I, I thought about that. And I thought, we are in a very real danger, I believe, in this country of following down the exact same path, right? You're saying, well, Mike, we're not Israel. And I agree, we're not. We have not replaced Israel. But I will say something. This country was founded on God. Right? And God has blessed us uh, beyond many, many countries with the truth. We've been given the truth. We were founded on the Bible and everything else. And we are starting to say the same things that they did then. Right? We're not going to walk in God's way. We're not going to listen to the truth of God. You know what Psalm 917 says? The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. Not some of them, not a few of them, not just God's chosen nations, all of them. And it's sad when you think about it. It's sad when you think about, you know, some of the uh, different things going on. But Jeremiah was seeing the result of the prophecy. He prophesied judgment was coming, that the city would fall, and he lived to see it. He watched it fall. He watched it burned. He watched uh, his people get carried away captive. And there he is looking at the city. And that's the book of Lamentations. And I want to look at the first chapter real quick. uh, A couple verses in the first chapter just to show you how bad it was for Jeremiah. 
He's saying this again, looking at the city. Verse 1, how doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How has she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princes among the provinces, how has she become tributary? Jerusalem had lost her greatness. The temple had fallen and was in ruins. God's holy city was turned into rubble. And the prophet wasn't happy about that. He warned them. And it wasn't one of those I told you so things. He was saying look at the destruction because you wouldn't repent. And it saddened him. It brought him grief. Verse 2, she weepeth sore in the night and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. She's saying in this time of despair, he's saying there's no comfort from God. The city's fallen. They're taken captive. There's no comfort anymore. And in fact, uh, her friends have betrayed her. Right? That's what he's saying right here. And then verse 3, Judah's gone into captivity because of affliction, because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathens she findeth no rest right you're saying there's no rest there's no peace anymore uh you know because of this affliction and everything else verse four and the ways of zion do mourn because none come to her solemn feast all her gates are desolate her priests sigh her virgins are afflicted and she is in bitterness and then you think uh, uh the that that psalm that I, I i memorized a while back in a hundred psalm 100 where enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise well guess what the gates are empty now there's nobody there there's no thanksgiving walking in the gate because it's in desolation and they've been taking captivity so you're starting to see the picture here. Her, uh, verse 5, her adversaries are the chief. Uh, her enemies prosper for the Lord hath afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. So her enemies are prospering while the children of Israel are in bondage to a heathen nation. And we can stop and think about that and see, wait a second. Why are the people that don't trust God getting blessings and I'm not? Right? Why am I going through these problems when these people that hate God, these people that are living worldly, why do they seem to catch the breaks and get the blessings and everything else when I'm not? That's what he's saying right here. Just one nation to another, but the same thing. Verse 6, finally, we'll look at this. And from the daughter of Zion, all her beauty is departed. Her princes are become like hearts that find no pasture, and they are gone without strength before her pursuer. There's no pasture. No, no refreshment. You know, that's what the, for the animals. No, strength is gone. There's weak and no relief or anything. So you think of how hopeless it seemed in Jeremiah's voice. We see the hopelessness. He wasn't happy about it. The city was turned into rubble. He had no comfort. He had no rest. Uh, the gates were empty. There was bitterness. The enemies looked like they were prospering. There was no pasture, no refreshment, no strength, no any of it. And I thought you put all that together and it was a bad time it was a bad time and we think about the condition that he was in and it's summed up in the Lamentations 3, 17 and 18. And thou hast removed my soul far uh, off from peace. I forgot prosperity. And I said my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. He said it is utterly, utterly hopeless. Even in the Lord he's saying that. Even with God I feel like it's hopeless. That's how bad it was for Jeremiah. And we talked about how bad it was for Moses. How bad it was for Elijah. They were all in this deep state of depression. And so we'll go back to the psalmist. Verse 25 of 119. 
And he's saying, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. And one of the things we can see is he's in that deep depression too, but we can see it because he's admitting it. You see that? He's admitting it. He's confessing it to the Lord. He's telling you. You know, a lot of people today would say, you know, first thing you need to do is go see a therapist, see a psychiatrist or everything else. But I would say the first thing you need to do is see Jesus Christ. Talk to Him about it. You pour your soul out to Him. You let Him know how you feel. You let Him know how helpless it feels. You talk to Him first before anyone else. The peace and prosperity were gone. No strength left. It seemed hopeless. And you think about Jeremiah, even though he's a man of God, even though he's a prophet, even though he's witnessing what he said would take true and they wouldn't listen and they wouldn't heed it. Jeremiah was depressed, but they're both uh, pouring their heart out and they're both uh, telling us how bad it is in their eyes. And here's the thing. Uh, Brother Aaron said this many years ago and it stuck with me. He said, if we would just get serious with God, he would get serious with us. He knows what's going on in our minds. He knows the darkness. He knows the despair. He knows the problem. We just we need to share it with him. You would share it with your best friend, wouldn't you? You'd share it with your spouse. Why aren't we sharing it with God? Tell him what he already knows. But look at the end of verse 25. Quicken thou me according to thy word. He's pouring out his soul into the Lord. He's letting the Lord know uh, how bad it seems. And he says, quicken thou me. He's saying, put a new life in me. I'm feeling dead right now. Revive me. I need a revival in my soul. That's what he's saying. That flame we sing sometimes is starting to flicker. But before it goes out, Lord, will you bring it back? Will you uh, fan that flame again? the hope is fleeting I don't know where to turn but Lord you can revive me that's what he's saying you can do it Lord and you've got to but he says quicken thou me notice what's he say at the end of verse 25 quicken thou me according to the way I want to be revived oh he didn't say that does he he doesn't say that no he says quicken thou me according to thy word You do it according to your word. And that's uh, what he's saying is, hey, he's acknowledging right now, this is a giver of life. God's word is, he breathed life into these words. Uh, It is the breath of God. And there is life in these pages. And that's what he's saying. Hey, uh, if we're going to get revived, it's going to be according to God's word or it's not going to happen at all. You know what the Bible's going to do? It'll point out sin, right? It'll point it out. So if you've got sin that's unconfessed or undealt with and you're, uh, uh, you've got this going on and that depression won't leave, uh, it's because of the sin. I'll just lay it out to you right there. That's why a lot of this world is depressed. See, we'll stop and say amen right there. There are people that are so dark and depressed, have no hope out here. It's because they're living a life of sin and they don't realize that the same sin they want you and I to accept and say is great is the same sin that's killing them every day. Tear up your mind. Take away your peace. Why? Because we should not feel comfortable disobeying and rebelling against God. We should not. We're one of his children. Do you make it, you know, for those with younger kids, do you, do you make it comfortable for them when they disobey? No. We turn them around before it's too late. We try to do that. That's what God's trying to do. We got to say according to your word. We got to deal with it. We got to confess it. Listen, 
We know a lost person will not find relief without dealing with their sin and taking it to Jesus Christ for forgiveness. But a Christian's not going to find relief without confessing some things too. We've got to deal with that first. And that's God's word, by the way. Verse 26, and, and after you deal with the sin, then you can go other ways. You can deal, do other things, but you've got to deal with that first. You've got to take it to God first. Uh, uh, 26, I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. And here's what he's saying right here. Uh, verse 26, I have declared my ways. I poured out my heart to you, and thou heardest me. When you and I confess to the Lord... He hears us every single time. We could stop and just shout on that because you think about it, even when we're disobedient, even when we're rebellious, what did that prodigal son do? He turned back home. He had the, he was already, he had a speech, Brother Jimmy. He was going to say, just make me one of the hired servants. You know, I don't deserve it. He had all that stuff ready. But no, he did what he didn't expect is that father ran to him and hugged him and put up new shoes on his feet and a robe on him and a ring on his finger and kissed him even though he was dirty and nasty and smelly from being in the hog pen. He didn't expect any of that. And guess what? The devil's trying to convince you that God won't take you back. He's a liar. He's a liar. He loves you. He loves you. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and deliver them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. I use that and I started using that at every single funeral. The Lord is nigh. What's it say? He's close. He's near unto them that are of a broken heart. Guess what? You're in a deep spot. He's closer to you than he's ever been. You don't realize it, but he's right there. He's waiting to hear from you. He loves you. The more we fill our heart and mind with the truth of God's word, the harder it is for the devil to convince us of all these other things. Right? He's trying to convince us it's hopeless and that God has abandoned us or we've gone too far for mercy to restore us. But hey, here's the author right here in, 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 of the Psalm in 119. He is feeling hopeless and abandoned and everything else. But even in his lowest state, he's saying, Lord, teach me from your scriptures. Tell me something. Help me. Give me something that will help me today from your statutes. And here's the thing. You ever feel like God's abandoned you? Maybe you're feeling like that now, right? You feel like God's abandoned you. You've gone too far. Anything else that there's no hope. I'm telling you what, you can go to verse after verse in God's word that'll tell you that that's wrong. God has not given up on us. He loves us. Sometimes what we need to do is take this Bible and apply it to our life. Because there are times where the emotions aren't matching the truth of the word of God. And what do we have to do? We got to rein it in with the truth. Amen. Right? Help me to understand. You know, there's sometimes, I don't know about you, there's been times in my life where I didn't feel saved. I didn't, notice what it said? I didn't feel saved. Right. I didn't feel like I was. Yeah. You know what I had to do? I had to get back into God's word and say, what are the requirements to get saved? Right? What are they? What are they? That, that I repented? I was tired of the old life and wanted to do it, right? I remember when I did that. I remember when he touched my heart. I remember when I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died, uh, yeah. he was buried, and he rose from the third.
third day, and I remember the day that I called on his name for salvation. So then I got to turn around and say, you know what? I don't feel like I'm saved today, but God's word says I am. And even if my feelings don't match the truth, I'm going to go with the truth. And that begins to make me feel better. Right? That's what he's saying. Oh, but then look at verse 29. What's he say here? Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. You know what happened for this author? We don't know who he is. or We don't know it. Verse 29. He's gotten into the word. He's gotten the Lord has pointed to something. And guess what he's saying? He's realized that the scripture brought something to light. That's what's happened. Remove from me the way of lying. The Bible pointed something out and he is now confessing it in verse 29. Remove it from me. Get it away. You know what he's saying? I'm living a lie right now. That's what he's saying right here. I'm living a lie. I'm not caught up in someone else's lie. He's not saying that. Or he would say, remove me from the way of lying. He's not saying that. No, he's saying, remove from me the way of lying. He's saying, hey, it's on the inside and I've got to get it out. It's got to get out of here. You know, that's what the Bible will do. And the Holy Spirit will do. We'll point things out. And when it points things out, we've got to deal with it. And I guarantee it will help you. Dig into the Bible and find out he found out a problem that he didn't know existed. Uh, and that, again, that sin, once it's dealt with, it helps. Verse 30 I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. See, he was living a lie. Now what? Now what's he saying? I've chosen the way of truth. I'm tired of the lie. I'm going to live in truth. That's what he's saying right now. I am ditching uh, the facade. Uh, I don't know what he, I don't know if he was pretending to be godly. I don't know if he was pretending to be holy. I don't know what the lie was about in his life. But he said, I am done. I don't care if people know the truth. I'm going to tell them the truth. And then here's what you do. Because here's what the devil do. He'll say, hey, you know, you've got that past. There's no way the devil, you know, there's no way God will forgive you of it. Or if he forgives you of it, there's no way the church will accept you. They'll be afraid to you they'll look down on you and everything else and you know what he's saying I don't care if everyone knows I was living a lie I am done living a lie I'm going to live and walk in the way of truth and this is what you've got to do whatever your thing is you've got to take it and do exactly what's going on and say Lord remove that from me and I'm walking a different way that's what he's doing that's what he's saying right here and there are times we have to do that too we want revival don't we we want peace, don't we? Yeah. We want joy in our soul, don't we? Well, sometimes things have to be dealt with, and that's what he's saying. Thy judgments have I laid before me. He's talking about repentance and turning. And for some people, we've got to admit it. We've been disobedient in some area of God's will, God's word, and we need to turn around. And look at this. Look at 32. I love this. I will walk... What's he say? I'll walk the way of thy commandments? No, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. He's saying, hey, I have, there's been times where I've ran to things of the world, but now I'm running to the things of God. That's what he's saying. 
I, there have been times where things have enticed me and I've gone in different directions. And I think it goes along with the living a lie, walking uh, with the way of lying. I think he was, I think there was definitely some kind of false living going on. And he's saying, I'm done with that. I used to run to these things of wickedness and cover it up and everything else. But he's saying, I'm done. I'm running to God now. I'm running to the truth. But you know what? I think a lot of us need to run to the Bible. That's what he's saying. Run to this thing right here. What do we, we run to the phone. We run to the tablet. We run to the computer. We run to one event or another. What about running to the Bible? And say, you know what? I've got a problem. Instead of doing anything else, I'm going to go to this first. And I'm not going to leave till I get a solution. Amen. Guess what? You will. You will. He'll show it to you. Especially if you pray and say, God, I've got this problem. I'm laying it bare to you. Show me in your word where it'll help me. He will every time. Every time. So I've talked about, we, again, we don't know much about this prophet we don't, or this, this writer here. We don't know a lot about him. So it's hard to really fill in the blanks or anything like that. We can guess. But I'm going to jump back to uh, Lamentations for a second because there, I don't think there is a greater group of scriptures than when Jeremiah uh, is deep into, parked in your Bible somewhere, at least write it on the cover or something like that. When I'm depressed, Lamentations 321. Just start there and read the next couple verses. I'm telling you it will help you whenever you get into this place. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to you. It says this, Lamentations 3.21. Again, he's in deep depression. He watched Jerusalem fall. He watched his people be carried away in captivity. But he prophesied it. He told them it was coming. But they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't heed it. And now he's in his depressed state. He had no hope. Uh, even in the Lord he had no hope. But then it all changed. Lamentations 3.21. This I recall call to my mind therefore have I hope he's starting to remember things now that's what he's saying I, I'm remembering something that's bringing back the hope that he just said a few verses ago was gone uh, verse 22 it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not he said I would have quit long ago I would be done uh, it would be over except there is a merciful God that is still strengthening me right that's what he's saying right there. Uh, uh, he, his compassions don't fail. He is continuing to help me. Verse 23, it's getting better. They are new every morning. That blesses me. You think about that. I don't know about you. God has blessed me in the past. Hasn't he? Hasn't he blessed you? Haven't there been days where he's just absolutely knocked your socks off in a blessing? But you know what that tells me? That verse right there, when it says uh, that they are new every morning, I don't have to rely on yesterday's blessings. I don't have to rely on yesterday's Woo! mercies. Now I get a new set to Today, I'll get a new set tomorrow. So even as good as the Lord was to me yesterday, he'll be just as good as today. And that's what helps lifting. He's lifting him up. That's what's happening. He's in his depressed state, but he's being lifted up. And then he says this. This is probably the key right here. Great is thy faithfulness. Not a good faithfulness. Not an average faithfulness. He's saying it's a great faithfulness. I've said it many times. Even when we ask God, where are you? 
Even when we say it feels like you're not listening. Even when we uh, say you, you have moved on. You don't love me anymore or anything else. He's still faithful to us. Even when we decide to run to the world instead of him. God is still faithful. And this is bringing him out. Right? Those people of Israel would not listen. They were not faithful to God, but God, you're still faithful. That's what he's saying right now. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. I can't find any hope in these ruins. I can't find hope in the government. I can't find hope in today's society, but I sure can find it in the Lord. That's where I, my hope is, and that's where your needs to be. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. Oh, we don't like to wait. Uh, uh, to the soul that seeketh him. Uh, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Look at that. Jeremiah, he said, I had no comfort, no rest, full of bitterness, and it felt like there was no hope even in the Lord. And then, as if it got to the point where he was just totally done and the devil was getting victorious, Jeremiah said, wait a second. Right? They've not listened. They've not been faithful. My family's not been faithful. My friends haven't been faithful. I've not been faithful. But God's faithful. Right? God has been with me. God told me this would happen. But God also told me he was merciful even in judgment. And even if you're in the middle of the trial, God's merciful. He loves you. Sometimes what you have to stop and do is say, wait a second. The devil wants me to lock myself up in a room and never come out. Right? He does not want you to come in here. Right? When there's a tragedy, when you're in deep despair, the devil doesn't want you to come into this building. Why? Because he knows that we'll pray for one another. We'll encourage one another. We bear one another's burdens. We help one another along the way. He does not want that. He'll say, don't you go. Don't go today. Right? We need each other. And there he is being lifted up out of the ashes, lifted up out of the despair and everything else and turns it around. And guess what? He's turning it around, still looking at Jerusalem in ruins. That's the difference between a Christian and this world. Even when our eyeballs can't see any hope, we have hope. Right? Where does that hope come from? Right here. Amen. This world is reserved for judgment. It's going to melt and it's going to be gone. But guess what? This will still be here. Every promise that's in here will still be here. Everything God said he would do for us is right here. And when we stand before him, guess what? It's going to be us. Him and this. Woo! Yeah. That's it. That's it. So I know there are times down here where it feels like in complete despair. But guess what? This is temporary. This is temporary. This is eternal. What's he granted to us? Eternal life. When's that eternal life start? The moment you're saved. Amen. Amen. I, I don't know what... I don't know who that's for today. 
But maybe you need to come and talk to him. We're going to open up the altar today. Maybe you need to come talk to him and just get serious with him. Pour out your heart. He knows where you're at. Just pour out your heart to him. Get serious with him. And then start doing like Jeremiah did. Start thanking him. I remember your redeeming. Great is thy faithfulness. Great. That's the Lord that will lift you up. That even in your brokenheartedness is nigh. He's right there. How close is he when you're not brokenhearted? Right? You can call on him when everything's fine. You can call on him. You can reach for him. And he said, I'm even closer. How close is that? Right by our side. We're going to open up the altar. I ask everyone to stand this morning. Brooke's going to get a song, but why don't you just come? You don't have to wait. Is the Lord dealing with your heart right now? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to today. You need to deal with your sin. You need to take it to Jesus. He already died for your sin. He already paid the price. You just need to trust him with your life. Ask him to forgive you, and he will. Ask him to give you a new heart. He will, and a new mind. We're given the mind of Christ. I told you before, I get tired of people that say physical problems and mental problems are the same. Maybe to this world, but not to God. We're never promised physical healing. He told us what to do. Gather the elders, anoint their head with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. He told us to do that when we're physically sick. But he said we've got the mind of Christ when we're saved. Peace of mind. If you've lost that peace of mind, that's a red flag that something's wrong. Something's wrong. Take it to the Lord. He will help you. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be in such darkness. Now it'll happen to every one of us. It happened to many men of God in the Bible. So it'll happen to us too. But we choose whether we stay there or not. We've got the tools. We've got a God. And we've got God's word. Maybe you need to run to it today. Maybe you need to say, remove something from me, Lord. Remove it. I'm done with it. Remove the lie. Replace it with truth. That's what the psalmist said. What about you? Will you come? Will you come? Ask everyone to bow your heads real quick. We're not going to drag this out or anything, but maybe... Maybe you don't feel like coming, but you just want us to pray for you. For whatever reason, just lift up your hand real quick. Nobody looking around, just lift it up. Say, Mike, pray for me. Church, pray for me. I'm dealing with something right now. I'm struggling. I'm not, I don't feel the joy that I once felt. Maybe just slip your hand up real quick. Real quick.
pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day that you blessed us with. Lord, I thank you for the truth. Lord, I thank you that your word is real and it has real people. And Lord, I, uh, you've given me this message for real people and I'm one of them. And Lord, help us, Lord, to turn back to you. Lord, help revive our hearts and our minds again. And Lord, draw us close to you. Get us to just pour out our hearts to you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we love you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. You may be seated. Real quick, we got some announcements uh, tonight. Real excited about it. Uh, our joint service is back here. Uh, so New Testament, Missionary Baptist, Brother Aaron's Church, uh, Alum Creek on the Hill, Brother Brad's Church, and Centerburg is coming tonight too. So Mark Tuggle, uh, their, their church. So uh, you might want to come early, get a seat. Uh, I'm excited about it. Micah Tuggle is going to be preaching. He always does a great job. Uh, I've already asked Mark to sing a song or two, so uh, I'm excited. We're going to have a reunion tonight. We're going to have Brad, Mark, uh, uh, everyone in the same place. So uh, keep that in prayer, and then come be with us tonight at 6. I'm telling you, if you haven't come to one of these joint services, I have a feeling it's going to get real good tonight. So yeah. uh, keep that in prayer, and, and get your heart ready before you get here. You know, just this afternoon, I know I know we got to eat. I know a lot of times take a nap and different things. But just, just take a little bit of time and just pray to the Lord and just ask him to ready your heart before you even get in here. You know, I believe he'll, uh, I, I believe it'll be awesome tonight. So that is tonight. We've got something new on the bulletin, October 29th. That is a Saturday. So not what, not this coming Saturday, but the Saturday after we want to do something new. This is something different. Uh, you know, you probably heard a lot of churches doing uh, what they call trunk or treat. Uh, for the kids and uh, we don't have all the details yet but we uh, we're looking to do it at noon and have some you know some food downstairs and then a lot of times what happens you kind of decorate your trunk kids dress up uh, and kind of go around as if they're going trick-or-treating but here uh, and we pass out candy and just have a good time with the Lord I think our kids will love it I think they can bring some friends uh, and stuff like that so that October 29th at noon uh, something new on the calendar. Uh, so, of course, when you think about, okay, one thing I do have to say is costumes. You know, let's not do any wizards, witches, things like that. Let's try to stay away from that stuff. Uh, but I believe we'll have a good time. I think God will really bless it. So that is something different. Make sure you put that on your calendar. Uh, and like I said, we'll, we'll hammer out some more details as we go. Uh, but think about your idea for your trunk. You know, think of a theme. Then I put daylight savings. That's coming up too. Although if you forget and you're someone that normally just comes to the morning service, you'll find yourself in Sunday school. So really, uh, if you forget, I won't be as heartbroken because you'll show up an hour early. Uh, but that is coming up uh, November 6th. Um, or, or here's the thing. If you haven't come to Sunday school, it will be easier to wake up for Sunday school time. So either way. Uh, so thankful for that. So any, any questions? Anything? And I'm telling you, seriously, come tonight. Joint service is here. I'm excited about it. So uh, we're going to ask everyone to stand.